afternoon, local church. Good afternoon. It's good to see everybody. Some great faces. Not some. All great faces. Shouldn't say some. <laughs> all, all have great faces in this place. Faces and places. Well, welcome to local church. If you are here for the first time, so welcome with us. My name's Caleb. Um, I'm a little off center. Is that okay? Yeah, I think that's okay. It means I can stand in the center. Um, but we're so excited to have you. Today we, we are launching a, a teaching series um, called Abide. And what it, yeah, thank, yes, it's great to abide. And what it means to remain in Jesus, to abide in him. And we're going to be spending some weeks on, on the, the subject of abide. And then we're going to flow into a, sort of a secondary part of the teaching series around the practices of Jesus and I'm really excited about this because I believe that it's going to, um, it, it has the ability to transform the landscape, not only of our church, but the church across the planet. And um, as we were singing, I was just so blessed by those last few songs, Consuming Fire, Fan Into Flame, A Passion for Your Name, Spirit of God, Would You Fall in This Place, Lord Have Your Way. Lord, have your way in us. I'm desperate for you. I'm lost without you. This is the air I breathe, the ho your holy presence living in me. Stir it up in our hearts, Lord, a passion for your name. I will surrender. This is my surrender. I will make room for you. And that is my prayer for local church. That there would be such a consuming fire that just floods this place of the Holy Spirit just arresting every single heart, every single man, woman, and child, no matter how old you are, no matter if you've walked with the Lord for 40, 50, 60 years, or, or six months, three months, two months, two days, that he would arrest our attention. He would fill this place with a passion for his name. We're going to be unpacking John 15, where Jesus speaks on abiding, or some translations say remaining in him, where he gives us the picture of us being the, the branches and him being the vine, and that we're, we're to remain in the vine, and, and, and as we remain in him, as we remain in the vine, we will bear fruit. His invitation to all his disciples is to remain connected, to abide, and the fruit will follow, and it will be fruit that lasts. To walk with his spirit through intentional daily rhythms of spiritual practices. Some people call it a curriculum for Christ-likeness. Through prayer, Sabbath, community, worship, coming together like this. Silence and solitude. As we abide in him, we become like him. And we are those who do what he did. This series is an invitation to draw closer to Jesus. An invitation to join with King David in Psalm 27 where he prays and he says, One thing I've asked of the Lord, this one thing I seek the most, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his holy temple. A.W. Tozer, in his well-known book, The Knowledge of the Holy, and a well-known quote says, What comes into our minds when we think about God 
is the most important thing about us. Typically, that's where we stop the quote, but he does have other things to say in his book. It's not just a one-lined book. Uh, that'd be a great book. I'd listen to that podcast or that audiobook. It, he goes on to say, the history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion. And man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most pretentious or portentous fact about any man is not that he at, not what he at any given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. This is not only true of the individual Christian, but of the company of Christians that composes the church. Always the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God. What we perceive of God is really important. How we think about him, how we set out our beliefs about him, what he's like has an effect on every area of our life. It impacts how we approach him, both, both as individuals and as a church. Is he a present father or is he a distant taskmaster? Is he kind or is he cruel? Is he loving or is he cold? Is he just or is he unfair? Is he a king or is he just an acquaintance? Is he holy or is he just like every other God on the earth? Who we think he is affects so many things in our life. How we worship, how we walk out our faith, the lens in which we view ourselves, the lens in which we view others, the lens in which we view the church the lens in which we view the world around us, how we read the Bible, how we pray, our idea of who he is, is very important. And this is usually shaped by experiences both good and bad. Sadly, the church historically hasn't done a great job at reflecting who God is to the world around us. There's many, many instances that we can look back and think, ooh, we just didn't quite get it right there. Um, the Crusades and all of, you know, there's a lot that I could say where it's just like, ooh, yikes, um, no. But there is a history that society doesn't always talk about when they talk about the church, of a church that is glorious, a bride that reflects the Father, a bride that shows his love, a bride that shows his grace, a bride that shows his mercy, a bride that stands up for justice, a bride that stands up for those who can't speak for themselves, a bride that reflects the Father who's sitting on his throne who wants to have a relationship with humanity. And the good news is that Jesus came to humanity to save us, but also to reveal who the Father really is to us. That he is loving and kind, full of mercy, that he is just and holy. That we can put our full trust in him. Where people inevitably will fail us, we understand that he never fails. That what he says 
that he will do, he will do it. He is a God that cares for you. He is your ever-present help at all times. And Jesus came to show us that through his sacrifice, we now have access to the Father's presence 24-7, 365. A friendship and a fellowship that goes beyond the walls of our Sunday services and everyday communion with him. That he's not a distant and unknowable God, but he is a present, loving Father. As we sang earlier, that this is the air I breathe, your holy presence living in me. He's so close that he came to dwell within us. In Psalm 145, 18, it says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. We were created for connection with him. And we see this right at the very beginning of creation. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve talking with him, walking with him. There was a connection, there was a relationship, there was a communion that they had with God right from the very beginning. And when he created humanity, when he created you and I, he said, hey, I want to hang out with you. He saw that when he created us, it was very good. And he wanted to have fellowship with us. He wanted to walk with us. He wanted to talk with us. He wanted to be with us. And that is the narrative that you find throughout the whole of Scripture. Even when we screw up, even, like Summer said, when we were like the Israelites and we mumbled and we grumbled and we didn't get it right. He wants to have connection with us. He wants to be with us. He desires a daily connection. So many legends in the Bible had one thing in common. They walked and talked with God. Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Deborah, Joshua, Ruth, Elijah, Esther, Mary, Peter, Jesus. They had a relationship with God. They had a connection with the Father. They talked with Him. They walked with Him. They listened to Him. I don't know they're doing this. It sounds like I'm going to go into a song, like some musical is going to come out of me in a second. Like a Disney film or a... I don't know the guy's name, Manuel, whoever wrote that thing. I just know the songs. It's not exclusive to those people either, though. That relationship that we read in the scriptures, that even Jesus had with the Father, he came to show us a blueprint of what life could be like for you and I as his disciples. It's not exclusive to Moses on the mountain. It's not exclusive to Joseph when he had those dreams. It's not exclusive to Elijah where fire came down in, in, from heaven. It's not exclusive to Peter who walked on the water. It's not exclusive to the Billy Grahams or the Mother Teresas of this world, to the popes and maybe the senior global apostolic superpower people that they could give themselves titles. It's not exclusive to one person or a few people. Or the select elect. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Revelation 3.20, Jesus, he, he's, he's speaking and he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. This series is an invitation. It's an open hand. It's an invitation from the Father 
that where he's saying, come and be with me. Come and abide. Come and have a relationship. Come and have a connection. Come and have a communion with me. Not just in this four walls of this building or in the times when we have groups or at camp or on a Sunday afternoon. I want continual 24-7 communion with you. I want you to abide with me. I want to be with you to walk with my spirit. An invitation to fall deeper in love with him, to enjoy his presence in all areas of life. Not becoming weird about it. This is the, this is the normal Christian life, by the way. What I'm reading here, this is the normal reality of what we read in the Bible, in the book of Acts, in the New Testament, throughout all of the Bible when people had a relationship with Jesus, with God the Father. This is, they talked with him, they walked with him, they had connection and communion. Not so that we become weird. I mean, we are a little bit weird um, to people. I'm, I'm definitely a little weird to people. But this is, this, is, this, is, this is how he wants us to live. Not becoming kind of, you know, in the clouds, not, you know, knowing what's reality and what's not. But inviting him into our reality so that when we're hanging out, he's with us. When we're eating together, we know he's with us. When we're, when we're with our kids, he's with us. When we're doing the dishes, he's with us. When we're having that difficult time, he's with us. When we're enjoying the, the goodness of, of maybe a job promotion, he's with us. In the highs and the lows and the buffaloes and the mountaintops and the valleys, in, in, inside and outside, no matter where you find yourself, he's with us. And I believe that one of the keys to experiencing that daily rhythm of being with him, of just recognizing that he's with us, is in John 15, what Jesus called abiding in him, where he says this, I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must abide in the vine. Some translations will say remain. Some will say abide. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide or remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you don't abide in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in, my in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This abiding stuff sounds great. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. 
if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have, been, I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Abide in me. Remain in me. Continual communion and connection with him as the vine. Abiding in him. Walking with him daily. To live a fruitful life, we need to remain connected to the vine. To see his love flow in our lives, his joy, patience, faithfulness, self-control, peace. All of that will flow from our lives if we give ourselves to abiding. And in this, in this series, we're going to look at what it means to do that because I think so often we're so concerned by the fruit that we produce. I don't want to do this. I want to do this. I need to try harder. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to read my Bible more. Like all of this stuff is okay and we focus on that when I think in simplicity he just calls us to be with him. And he says, if you abide in me, if you make your place this area and not just trying out of your own strength and to get it done and to muster up more patience and to muster up more love and to be more joyful. He said, no, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. And not only that, it'll be fruit that lasts. It won't go away tomorrow. It won't get rotten the next day. But if you walk with me, you are inevitably going to look like me and talk like me and sing like me, and dance like me. You're just going to look like me in everything that you do, in every area of your life. You're going to hear my voice clearer because you're going to be closer to me. You're going to know my will stronger because you're going to be closer to me. You're going to have clarity like never before because you're close to me. You're going to be sharp in my, my spirit because you're close to me. You're going you're gonna to know what it is to be loved because you're going to be in my arms. You're going to be close to me. And so there's no more trying they're just being with him. Abide in me. Right from when Jesus came on the scene and he starts asking his disciples to, to follow him. In John 1 we find he, he meets two of the disciples and um, he's meeting them for the first time. They're not, they're not disciples yet, but he's inviting them to be disciples, to be apprentices, to follow him, to be close to him. To, to remain with him as his disciples. And he says these words. He says, come and see. Come and hang. Come and follow me. Come and see what I've got to offer. Come and be with me. And we find that open invitation from Jesus time and time again in Scripture. And it's still today the open invitation for us as his disciples. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Come to me. No matter where you're at. If you're weary, come. If you're thirsty, come. If you're good, come. If you think you've got it all made up, come. Just follow me. In this scripture and teaching in John 15 that we just read, 
that word abide shows up ten times, or about ten times in that, in that passage, in that teaching. It's, it's an important, he's repeating it for purpose. He's repeating it so that we get it. He's repeating it to show us, like, this is an important thing, guys. Like, if you want to be my disciple, like, this is what it's all about. I just want to be with you. I want to have connection with you. You know, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make, you know, I'm going to gift you. and I'm going to anoint you. I'm gonna, you're going you're gonna to enjoy my goodness. And, but sometimes life's going to get tough. Sometimes life's going to get hard. And I just want you to be with me in all of those times. I'm going to help you through the good and the bad and the ugly. Remain in me. Abide in me. Abide comes from that Greek word meaning meno, which is remain or abide or stay at home in me. Remain in me. Abide in me. Get into my Father's presence and remain. Stay. Make your home with me. Dig your roots down deep. Don't leave. Continual connection and deep dependence on Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Remain in me. Being a healthy disciple is simply to accept the invitation from Jesus to come and see, to follow him, to walk closely to him, to abide in him, a perpetual fellowship with God daily. And he says that you will bear fruit that will last and you'll keep the fire burning. The medieval monk, Brother Lawrence, um, who's uh, well known for a, a book that he has called The Practice of the Presence of God. It's a great book. It's, a, it's basically a compilation of letters that he wrote to different people in the area where he was living at the time, which he was a 15th century Persian monk. He was a soldier who got saved, and he joined a monastery. And he was a dishwasher in this monastery. He wasn't a, like a priest in it. He, he washed dishes for the boys. All those guys with, you know, like I just imagine with like the shaved head here and the like brown robe. Like he would be the guy that cleans up after them. And he called this abiding life the practice of the presence of God. He had one life goal, it says in the book. One aspiration. And that was to be in the presence of God of God perpetually like what a goal like what a life goal what like that's amazing in, in his book he he writes this he says the time of business does not with me differ from the time of prayer and in the noise and clatter of my kitchen while several people are calling for different things I possess God in his great tranquility as if I were on my knees before the blessed sacrament. This is a monk who's talking about the breaking of bread where they used to, that was a, that's a, still is a holy moment where they would, they get on their knees and they receive the sacrament. And he's saying, I possess God in as much in this place where I'm on my knees, taking the bread, taking the wine, as I am over here in the kitchen, doing a little sway to some music maybe that I'm thinking about, and doing the dishes well. Brother John is asking for potatoes, and Brother Jeeve is asking for lentils. I, that's probably not his name. But in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, 
I possess God. I feel his presence. I know he is with me in as much there as I experience him here in this holy moment. The practice of the presence of God. In the chaos, the noise, the rush, the activity, and the busyness of life, I possess God. Abiding is learning to always be in two places at once. Being in his presence and eating ramen like I did with Dan this week. Being in his presence and changing the baby's diaper. Being in his presence and getting the kids' lunches made. Being in his presence and getting stuck in traffic on the 417. This always happens. Being in his presence and on a run. Being in his presence and gaming with friends. Being in his presence doing the laundry. Being in his presence and studying for exam. Not like checking out from those things that we're doing and being like, oh, I don't need to study. I don't need to do the dishes because I'm in the presence of God. This is amazing. And the dishes will do themselves. It's not like, you know, like Fantasia where the dishes just start dancing and they're like washing themselves. No, it's not that. It's no, I understand that he's with me. That I'm doing my day-to-day stuff. And it doesn't have to be a so-called spiritual moment. But he's with me. And it's as simple as saying, God, I just know you're with me right now. Asking him, like, what do you think about that? In my exam, I'm, I'm studying just like, God, I'm, you know, I put in the work. I've studied. Just bring to mind all the stuff that I, that I remember, that I, that I studied, that I looked at. Holy Spirit, remind me. If you don't study, by the way, he's not just going to magically give you those things. So it's good to put in the, the work. But it's being in two places at once. I, when I was preparing for this last year, this is a message that we spoke on probably in the fall last year. Um, I found a place where you can literally be in two places at once. And you know those, like, you see those, like, um, uh, border lines where people are like, hey, look, I'm in Guatemala, and I'm also in Spain, which is impossible because that's a big border. <laughs> I'm like, geography is not my thing. But there's a place in Quebec, and um, there's this library that you can go to. And during the pandemic, it was a real popular place because like, when you couldn't cross the border, it was one place where Americans and Canadians could go to and not have to have a passport. But you had to stay in this library. And literally in the library, there's a line that goes right down the center. And they also have this like theater where the line goes right down the theater. And you literally can stand for free without having a passport, literally in the U.S. and Canada. It's a cool place. I want to kind of go there just to like get my picture. Like two places at once, what? It's like I'm Doctor Strange. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> but being a disciple and the life of a disciple is learning to live in two places at once. It's learning to live in that library on the border where I'm, I'm taking out a book. I'm in, I'm in America and I'm in Canada. I'm in his presence and I'm here doing what I need to do. I'm in heaven, but I'm on earth, where heaven meets earth. Ongoing, continuous communion with God. And I think most of us deep down desire this. I think deep down, like, we desire to have this relationship with God. We see people that are close to God. You know, you've met those people where you just, like, know that, man, they are, like, they walk close to God. My grandma, my papa, like, they are those kind of people. Whenever you speak to them, like, you just know that they have just a close relationship, faithfulness of walking with the Lord. You know those people. They're probably coming to mind right now. 
But that's available for all of us. So why do we so often treat his presence like a hotel rather than a home? Where we can check in and out and, and like, I'm going to check out on a Sunday and then just not think about it for the whole week. When he's like, no, like, I dwell within you. you don't you know, Paul, like, don't you know that you are now a temple of the Holy Spirit? Where God dwells in you? Like, he is with you. His presence is with you. Where once I was limited to an ark that had to travel from one place to another in the Old Testament, which was basically this beautiful, ornate box where God said he would dwell, where he, they put him in the holiest of holies, where no one could, could go, no one could touch this thing. But don't you know that you are now that temple that houses me? Don't you know that I'm within you? That wherever you go, I'm with you, my presence is with you? But we relegate a relationship with Jesus down to a few hours a week or a weekend conference or the leftovers of our day or when things are really tough and, and we need help. And praise God, hallelujah, that he has grace upon grace upon grace that he has arms open wide in every moment that we run to him. This isn't a, oh, you're doing it wrong kind of thing. This is an invitation for more, a deeper relationship with him where we don't have to check into the hotel anymore but realize that we've got a, an all-access pass 24-7. That he's inviting us to a fullness that maybe we gotta, we got to step into. That we've only maybe stepped into the, the hotel when he's saying, hey, listen, I've actually got a place for you to dwell forever. A fullness that is better than this check-in, check-out kind of life. Where we don't need to mistake union for communion. All believers... If we call on his name, if we're Christians in this room, we have a union with Jesus that comes through his blood, a union with God through Jesus from the sacrifice that he made on the cross, where we're now united with God through Christ. But we can also know communion with him, which is a perpetual union, an everyday union, a communion in greater or lesser degrees. Well, union with Christ doesn't ebb and flow. It's always constant. We're united with him. Our experience of communion with Christ can. I'm thankful that he doesn't force us to abide because he desires relationship. And any good relationship will not force you to love them, will not force you to be with them, will not bend your hand and twist your arm, will not force you in any way and sadly, we've had leaders over our lives. We've maybe had stories, some of us in this room, where we've been coerced to do something when it didn't come from the heart. And this invitation is him saying, I'm ready when you are. This isn't even me as a pastor saying, like, my advice is, like, it's a good idea, but I, no one can make you do it. It's relationship that he desires. We don't need to abide to earn merit. We abide to have communion with him, to simply be with him. His arms are always open wide, complete grace to come whenever we want, as little or as much as we want. He's not expecting you to have all your ducks in a row. He's not expecting you to have the most eloquent prayers. He just desires you for where you're at. And that's his invitation. Come and see. Oh, you're out there on the boat right now? Come and see. 
Oh, you're a tax collector? Come and see. This is him speaking to the disciples, if you didn't get that kind of context there. Because there's no, t- you're not a tax collector, Adam. I don't think so. He's not a tax collector. You can still love him. Any worthwhile relationship takes effort, though, and intentionality. That if we truly love him, if we truly stand here and sing the songs where we want a passion for his name, that we're desperate for him, that we're lost without him, there, there, there's an effort that we need to put in. There are things that we can do in our lives to either help or hinder that communion. Not because we're doing it for something other than to get, we're not doing it to get anything, we're doing it to be with him. And as we abide in him, man, all fruit breaks loose. We experience his love and his mercy, his grace, his goodness, his justness, his, 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 his ways are higher than our ways. And so he tells us you know, where to go and what to do and there's complete clarity in our lives. So what does this look like? We aren't obviously dishwashing monks like Brother Lawrence, or else I don't think any of you are. Um, we aren't first century Jewish rabbis like Jesus. But the good news is that over this teaching series, we're going to unpack what it means to live this abiding life. We're going to look at what it means to walk with the Holy Spirit. That in order to live this abiding life, he sent his Holy Spirit as the helper to help us, to dwell within us. In his letter to the Galatians, Paul the Apostle, I think he's riffing on Jesus in, in, when he's talking about the vine and the branches. In Galatians 5, when he talks about walking with the Spirit and you will bear fruit, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. That you will not gratify your evil desires. You will not gratify the desires of your flesh. But if you walk with him, then all the fruit will flow. And he's talking about abiding with him. That God himself helps us in this by his spirit. That he doesn't leave us alone, but he draws us to him through his Holy Spirit. And we'll unpack more of that next week. I like how Brother Lawrence called it the practice of the presence of God. That living in this constant awareness and connection to the Holy Spirit takes, takes practice. It takes time. This isn't a like one and done deal, but months and sometimes years of intentional faithfulness and habit forming in our lives to abide. To do what people call spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices. And we're going to be looking at these spiritual practices in this teaching series together too. Paul, or William O. Paul Sell, not Paul O. William Sell, William O. Paul Sell says it is unlikely that we will deepen our relationship with God in a casual or haphazard manner. There will be a need for some intentional commitment and some reorganization in our own lives, but there is nothing that will enrich our lives more than a deeper and clearer perception of God's presence in the routine of daily living. Jesus gave us a blueprint on how this is possible. If we want to experience the life of Jesus, we must adopt the lifestyle of Jesus to do what he did. He remained close to the Father, and he only did what he saw his Father doing through prayer, through, through going away to be with 
his father in silence and solitude, through Sabbath and fasting and community, through going to the temple, through the scriptures. It requires practice and training like anything you want to become proficient in. If I want to be a, a world-class boxer, I got to put in the work. I got to get around mentors. I got to get around, uh, around a coach. I got I to gotta put on the mitts. I got to start sparring. I'm not even going to try because obviously I've no, I've never punched anybody in my life. But I have, I have this like desire to do it once. Not out of like, not out of anger, but just like, I just wonder what it feels like. But I just don't think I'd be able to do it. Maybe in like a, with a mitt. But if I want to be a boxer, I can't just like, like turn up and be like, hey, I'm like Rocky Balboa, heavyweight champion of the world and start fighting, I don't know, Conor McGregor, who I think is UFC, but like I would just be, I would be done. Like there's no way it takes time in our craft. If I want to pick up that guitar, whatever that kind of guitar is, then I need to learn firstly what it is. And then I got I to gotta learn from from JR and Ryan how to play this thing, or Chris, and I, if I want to play the keys, I've got to learn how to do it. I've got to put in time. I've got to put in effort, because grace isn't opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Grace, grace doesn't exempt me from having to put in some, put in some effort. I've got to put in some work to be with him. So what is this message for us today? If we can have the keys come up. I think simply... The message for us today is there is no substitute for dwelling in the presence of God. We can know the Bible inside out. We can have the best hangs with one another. We can come on a Sunday and sing fire songs. We can serve on a Sunday in kids ministry or lead a pre-service prayer meeting or stand up on the stage all of which are really good things. But sometimes we can do those things and we still haven't dwelt with God. But he is drawn near and he wants us to draw near to him. He wants you to speak openly and honestly with him. The psalmist writes and talks about all these real raw hard things that, that comes with life. In Psalm 73, he goes through this list of things that we all go through in life. And he comes to Psalm 73, verse 23. He says, then he, after listing off a bunch of things that are hard and, and it's just very real and authentic, he comes to God and he says, yet I am with you always. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward you will take me into glory. Whom I have I ha in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart will fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And just like the psalmist, he invites us today to grab his hand. That is the invitation. That is his desire. Would you abide with me? Would you dwell with me, he says? I say this because... I just feel like God's been asking me this question for this last six to eight months or whatever it's been. Whispering in my ear, just, Hillab, just forget about the busyness, the cares of this world, just be with me. Just get, like, get the priorities right here. 
You've been focused on the fruit. You've been focused on the outcome. But you've not focused, you've been focused on what you're producing rather than the connection and whether the connection's there. Because Caleb, if you can get in my presence, if you can connect with me, then everything will flow from that. Everything will come from that. But where there's a broken connection, how can I expect there to be good fruit? It's going to be rotten. It's going to be fleshly. It's going to frustrate me. We were with some friends recently, and they were saying they had to make a decision for the next season and asking themselves what the Lord's will is and shall we do this or shall we do that? And That's a question for so many of us. Asking the question, should we do this? Should we do that? What, what should we do? Like, what should I do now, God? What should I give myself to? Questioning maybe things in, in him. Are you really like this or are you really like this? That thing that happened to me, why did that happen? I don't understand it. Asking these things. And it's all, it's all good. He wants us to. But before any of that, I believe that he firstly... wants us to come and just be with him. The image that I keep seeing for us is when in the Bible we read that Jesus, he's sitting on the beach after he, he died, he, re, he rose again, and the disciples, they're, they're discouraged. They go back to fishing, and they're fishing, and Peter and the boys are out in the boat, and, and Jesus appears to them on the beach. And one of the things he says to them is he says, come and have breakfast. Come and eat with me. Come and be with me. He calls out to them with an invitation for them to come and sit around the fire. Talk. Tell me what's been going on. Tell me your fears. Tell me your hopes. Tell me your dreams. Share with me what you're believing for. And many of us in the room, we have questions, concerns, things that we're wrestling with. Do I do this? Do I do that? And what's God inviting us to do? It's this image of him beside a fire on a beach just waiting for us to join him for a meal, to relax, to be at peace, to recline with him, where he's saying, first and foremost, I just, I want you just to come, come as you are and come and sit with me, come and abide. Stop worrying, stop trying, I know those pains, I know those hurts. I know those disappointments. I know what they did to you. And I want to take it all away. But in order for me to take it away, in order for him to take it away, he says, you got to be with me. Come all who are weary. Come all who are heavy burdened. And I will give you rest. Rest for your soul might not get all the answers, but you will know his closeness. You might not have all the ducks in a row, but you will know his clarity. You might not have all the boxes ticked, but you will know his love and his adoration towards you. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. The band wants to come up. If you'd like to stand with me, this series is, is, is simply that, that invitation. If I could sum it all up, come and have breakfast. What an image around a fire, 
the warmth of the fire on the beach with others, just with him, to abide. The message to those who are in this room that are abiding in Christ, stay connected to the vine. Don't disconnect. Continue as you've already begun. The message to those who have been hurt or in pain by situations or people that have caused you to recoil from God, he invites you to come and take his hand again. He knows your pains and he loves you. He shares in your suffering. Bring all your aches, all your worries, bring all the questions, because none of them are too big for him. To those who have made excuses, his invitation for you Maybe excuses for why, you know, you just can't do this abiding thing right now. My, my life's too busy. I've got this. I've got that. He knows all those things. But like we've heard last week, he doesn't want you to be lukewarm. He wants you to be close within those things. To rearrange our lives. And instead of trying to fit him into a box where I've got to be on my knees at the sacrament in order to hear from him. It's inviting him into that busyness. It's inviting him into the clatter of your kitchen. Inviting him into changing the baby's diaper. Inviting him into that job that's just taking all your mental capacity. Saying, come, Lord, fill this place wherever I am. And maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. The invitation for you is simply to come to him. That he loves you and he wants a friendship with you. He wants to be connected with you. He desired it right back at the beginning of time when he created humanity. We walked with him, we talked with him, and that was his desire for you. Sadly, we thought we knew better. We wanted to do our own thing, we wanted to live our own way, and the Bible calls this sin. And this sin, it severed a connection and the connection that we have with God that we once had. It severs the branches from the vine and no matter how much we try out of our own strength by doing good things, by saying the right thing, by being a good person, nothing we can do in our own strength can reconnect us back to him. But God loved you and me and he saw that and he said, I've got another way. And he sent his son Jesus, his one and only son, to die for you and for me, to bridge the gap from the vine and the branch, to connect us, to graft us in to him again as a son and a daughter, as a friend. And the Bible says that whoever confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes that he was risen from the dead, they will be saved. They will be connected again. They will have relationship, union, communion to the Father again. And in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask everybody in this room to close their eyes. And if you are here and you do not know Jesus, you are not a Christian and you would like to to have this union, this abiding life that I've talked about, today can be your day. And I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to say a line and, and pray a line. And if you just repeat after me, I'm going to ask everybody to do the same. And as you pray, 
what you're doing is you're asking Jesus to come and connect you with the Father again. You're asking him to be Lord of your life, to be the, the gardener of your life, to prune what he needs to prune and to, to show you who he really is, the loving Father that we heard about today. And so if that's you, I'm just going to count to three, and if that's you, with all heads bowed and with all eyes closed, if you could just lift your hand so we know who you are. If that's you, on the count of three, just lift your hand, and just so I know I'm praying for, or I'm praying with, so we know afterwards if you want to come and speak to me or one of the people in the lanyards, the people team, about what this is all about. We love, Christianity is a team sport. We'd love to run with you. So if that's you, if you just raise your hand on one, two, three. Lift it high so I can see it. Thank you, Father. If you don't know Jesus in this room, thank you, Lord. And you'd like to have a relationship, a friendship with him, just lift your hand. No one's going to call you out. I'm not going to make you come out front. Thank you, Father. I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite everybody to pray with me. Just a line at a time. And if you, in your heart, say this for the first time, just say welcome to the family. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came to earth to die for me, for all my sins, for all my wrongdoing. And I ask that you come and fill my heart, fill my life, have your way. I believe that you are Lord. I believe that you died and rose again. And Lord Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.